Wow. That was terribly out of sync. Awesome. Yeah. It's the internet's fault. It's not our fault. Nope, not at all. No, definitely Um, not. We're back with another episode. I hope this isn't copyrighted. What's up? It's me, Andrew. There's Chris. I'm going to start doing the intros like that. I'm tired of the, hey, welcome back. I'm Andrew. Okay, I was just about to say, like, it's kind of... Like watching one of your favorite artists early on in their career, like develop their style, is and I, I feel so <laughs> privileged to have a front row seat to it. So please, feel free. Bump, bump, bump. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm ex- Listen, I think the only reason I'm hitting you with some music, I'm just really excited for today's episode. Like, I'm excited for most episodes because we don't really get boring guests. But thankfully, I don't know. Today, I almost feel like, like. So I, Chris booked the guests, but I feel like I am like almost cheating with like the guests we have. That it's not like an, a no NPCs episode or something, you know? I'm like, there's no way we get to talk about this today on this show. True. Yeah. You know, sometimes I try and be a good friend and do things for Andrew <laughs> that you know aren't just guilty pleasures of mine. Some of my favorite artists or or actors of, of mine. Um, and so yeah, this this one I guess is a little bit for both of us because. Man, we're just going to jump right into it. This is Talking with Andrew and Chris. Thank you guys again so much for coming back week in and week out. Six months strong at this point and not stopping. So, yeah. Wait, six months? Of consistency. You know, that promise we oh, made to right. the fans. We, to, uh, you're right. I forgot that we didn't do that like on January. Yeah. January. That's just how we roll, man. No one. Yeah. How many January listen, promises have you made that haven't come through? Let's listen, just. No more New Year's resolutions. You got to do a December resolution. That way you mess up during December and then the New Year starts and you're like, well, now I know how I messed up. Let's keep going. So that's what we're doing. Right. It's called planning. You know, you, you, you get ahead of your New Year's resolution. I like that. Hashtag we just started using Google Calendar. What up? True. Very true. That's uh, <laughs> that's how we knew to be extra on point for today's uh, today's episode. We're speaking with an incredibly talented. I don't even want to just call him a musician because I mean we'll right. get into it. But he's so much more than that. I mean, this man does what I, I believe, and, and not that I work in the games industry, but video game companies have departments for, and I'm sure there's different subsections inside of those departments. And and somehow, I mean. He gets it done, and not only does he get it done, it's he's masterful at his craft. Uh, I am yeah. very excited to chat with uh, Darren Korb of Supergiant Games, and amongst many other things, and we'll we'll unpack that. So, uh, Darren, yes. welcome to the show, man. Woo! Thank you so Bye. much. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah, we're, for sure. Dude. As you can tell, we're excited. <laughs> no, this is going to be really good, dude. I um, so I stumbled across your games from, and I'm sure as most people have, through the NoClip uh, documentaries. I'm a huge fan of NoClip. They're actually the only um, uh, YouTube account that I have a Patreon for. Uh, Only the $5 tier. I wish I could get my name as one of the producers. Uh, You know, sorry to all the rest of them. Maybe you can send my condolences and and be like, hey, look, he's doing his best. Don't don't hate on him too much. But uh, I'm sure they're they're not mad because you you're giving them five dollars. Like they're not going to be upset about about that. Exactly. No, they have a tier for that. You know, for sure. And and they're just so incredibly talented and they seem to work with a lot of incredibly talented people as well man like one of the things that i found so inspiring and interesting you know andrew and i we're we're musicians um you know aspiring podcasters aspiring musicians um but certainly we're, we're still trying to build a foundation and get off the ground but we got to watch you do that through these no clip documentaries but but of course in those documentaries there is a shared story and a shared experience 
and and so what I'm really looking forward to today is, and it's this, since this is a music show, is sort of getting your version of that story, and, and even before that, maybe even what got Darren into music, what were his first inspirations, you know, like take us all the way back, and I'm talking like way back, and, and sort of like walk us up to the present day, and then we'll get into all like the really cool fun stuff like Hades and all that, but. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think my first real engagement with music was when I was probably about five years old. I started doing musical theater as a little kid and singing and, and, uh, being in plays and stuff. And I had a lot of, I really enjoyed that. And I did that sort of all through high school. And that was one of my, one of my interests, um, growing up. And, you know, I, as a kid, I, I kind of took some, I took like some, a couple of weeks of keyboard lessons and wasn't really into it and kind of bounced off of it. And then around 10 or 11, I picked up the guitar and started really getting into that and writing songs and, and playing in bands all through kind of middle school and onward. Um, and, and, you know, I took, took some guitar lessons, uh, in high school, I ended up getting really into recording and became kind of obsessed with that. Um, and that that became in addition to the sort of songwriting and playing in bands that the actual, uh, multi-track recording process was something that was really fascinating to me. And I felt like it kind of tickled all the different parts of my brain at once. You know, it's a creative process that's super technical. So you have to kind of, you know, get in the zone and, <laughs> and it's a, it's really fun. Um, there's stuff to figure out. Yeah. There's stuff to figure out. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like, I have this creative idea. What is the technical way I can execute the creative idea? Right. So it's, it's the full, the full, the full, the full mind. The scientific uh, <laughs> process, but for music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I really, really dig that. And, um, and so I ended up going to school at NYU uh, Gallatin, which is, um, individualized major program. So, I kind of did music production, music business, and then like humanities stuff with a little bit of songwriting and poetry and all that stuff mixed in there. Um, and you know, after school, I was living in New York trying to um, kind of take whatever music-related gig I could, paid or unpaid, trying to just sort of amass whatever experience I could. Uh, I was like in a bunch of Craigslist bands for a little while. <laughs> I... Um, and just, just trying to like see, you know, expose, get, get exposed to a bunch of different, um, types of musicians and, and play with a bunch of different people. And, and what and year is this that you're sort of kicking around in New York after college? Yeah. So like 2007. Um, and I, uh, yeah, cause I, I finished school, <clears throat> I, I guess in 2006 and I walked in 2007 or something. I, I forget, but I, I like, it took a semester off. So it was a weird, weird finish, uh, there, but, but, um, and so, yeah, it was mostly 2007, uh, was the beginning of that stuff. And I was interning in a recording studio for a few years, which started while I was in school. Um, I interned at this studio called Threshold Music uh, in Midtown, which is like a, a little, it's a small studio that does, it was a really, um, good spot to learn. I think it wasn't like a, it was like a medium studio, I'll say, right. It wasn't one of the avatar or like one of the big, uh, label studios, but, but some label bands came through there and, you know, and it, and it was a good, good spot to learn though. I feel like mostly I didn't learn <laughs> too much as an intern, you know, it's a rough, for whatever reason, I feel like it's one of those things where people who know stuff like the engineers often are like Kung Fu masters that don't teach their students like the good moves you know, it's because they're afraid they're going to destroy them with it or something, you know, like it's like such a competitive field. I just feel like they don't, 
people are really guarded with with the knowledge and and you know you'll be sweeping up and emptying trash cans and making coffee for six months and and one day you'll be in the control room while somebody's doing a mix and it'll be like okay i'll drop a drop a little knowledge bomb on you you know and like yeah you like, like when one... they say the mix is wet that means it's got a lot of reverb <laughs> right that like down. one tip i remember i remember once uh, i got like one tip from from this dude who who's a who's a good engineer i mean he was doing he was doing like one of the dudes in the studio who was doing, working on some big projects, he had just worked on the Paramore Riot record. Um, he did, like, drum editing on that record or something. And he said, all right, so I like to, to get the drums and the vocals balanced and before I add anything else. And then you just kind of find space for everything else and the rest. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, that's an interesting approach. Yeah, that seems cool. I'm um, going to write that down. But, like, <laughs> you know... That's one of like a handful right. how, of and how things. long were you there? That that's I was what there you for got. years. I mean, I was yeah. <laughs> and and but <laughs> kind of sounds thing, like school. It, yeah, but the, the, <laughs> but the thing. So the thing that was the most valuable to me from my time being in a studio. I mean, I love studios. I love recording studios. And and don't get me wrong, they're a, sort of a magical place that I really respect. But the thing that I took away was that I don't really need a recording studio to make cool music, and especially around that time. You know, I, I just kind of gotten into Logic as my DAW and was really had my mind blown by the sort of incredible capabilities of that. And, you know, so I, I just really doubled down on my home production and, and trying to, to get good at that and trying to figure out how to just use my, you know, my like two mics that I had and my apartment and my DAW and, you know, whatever instruments to, to make something that sounded cool. Um, and so I really started focusing on that around 2007. Um, and I think sometime maybe that year or maybe the year later, logic eight came out and that was kind of a game changer. Um, because the, the, that was the one that really, they went nuts with all the presets, like full preset signal paths. And if you have an idea for how you want something to sound, you can just type in a word any sort of descriptive word or whatever i mean you just and then you have a whole single path that will be that sound more or less and then you can kind of tweak it from there and it's so much faster as a workflow and easier than you know dialing in a guitar sound for 90 minutes or whatever on you know um it's just like 30 seconds versus 90 minutes is the big savings, you know? Right. So, so was that the one where Steve Jobs had John Mayer like whip up that like four minute song to like debut? Oh, I don't the, remember. Uh, That's funny. Uh, yeah. It was something like he had, he had John Mayer come up and like whip up a song for uh <laughs> Jamie's looking it up real quick uh, for, uh, awesome. <laughs> for a song. And, and they're like, and Steve Jobs is like, look how fast he did that. And I assumed yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like the presets just hearing you speak about that. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. So it really, it was, it was kind of a game changer for me. And and you know, during during that same period, you know, I was working on my production. I I wrote a musical with my brother. It was like a power pop musical, and I recorded a demo album for that. So just you know, production practice, and I did a couple of small um, gigs. Like I composed, I wrote a song for a little indie movie, um, where you know a lot of that kind of work at that time. That the the work I did get was mostly we have this known song, this famous song that we would like to use, but it is too expensive. Can you please make a thing that sounds almost exactly like it, but is legally not it? Um, you know, we really want, like clocks 
by Coldplay or whatever. Like, can you just make a clocks like, you know, like I've uh, I've gotten the uh, hey, so we might be able to do a car commercial, and you got to try and sound like the Black Keys without sounding like the Black Keys, and without it's pretty being difficult the <laughs> because the Black Keys kind of sound like everything without sounding yeah. like the Black Keys, and yeah, uh, yeah totally. I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, and, and so I, I, I had several opportunities like that. I, had, I did a couple of little spots for an infomercial or a couple a couple of commercials and, you know, tiny little little things. Um, but those I saw as really, really, really good production practice because the exercise of trying to emulate a particular sound without creating the same piece of music, I saw it as a production exercise. And so I'm like, well, if I can just do the exact production of this recording to the best of my ability – no matter what the musical content is, it's going to kind of feel like it anyway, um, was sort of my, my, uh, my approach. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I, uh, I did that. I, I, I was, you know, playing gigs here and there as a hired gun, you know, one every once in a while I played guitar for an R in an R and B band for a minute and <laughs> just did, did some cool random New York stuff. Um, and, uh, and then in 2009, uh, my good buddy since childhood who we, we grew up together, uh, played D and D together all through our lives and played in bands together. He's my drummer for the longest time. He was working at EA at a college and he was there for a couple of years and he decided to strike out, you know, with another friend, Gavin Simon and, and found Supergiant. And when he was doing that, he just asked me to do all the audio because he thought I could probably pull it off. Um, and, and that was it. <laughs> I, I didn't have any qualifications really other than some musical experience. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and then I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And that friend wouldn't happen to be Amir Rao. Would it? Amir Rao. Yep. That is the friend. <laughs> I heard of him. Very cool. That's, Very the, cool. that's the guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, it's it's funny, like, before we jump too much into the Supergiant story, I mean, you're from California, right? Mm-hmm, yep. So you're arguably in the, the music, I mean, I know Nashville's like the music capital of the world, whatever, it's like 90% country, so I feel like that's a little misleading, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't that's really change like how, that. That's just like how they say the Cowboys are America's team. It's like, who mm-hmm. decided that? <laughs> exactly. But you, you're arguably in, like one of at least we can definitely say one of the music capital locations again i don't know how close you are to los angeles not i'm in northern california i'm in the bay area i grew up in san jose okay Mm. so then why move but still then why move to new york as opposed to los angeles was it that you just needed the complete change or or what was the sort of the impetus behind that decision because i I feel like it's got to be easier to sort of get going where at least you have some roots yeah so i was i was just really excited by new york as a place um, I remember visiting there as a kid and it really made a big impression on me. I was probably like 12 or 13 when I went to visit New York for the first time. And I just never been anywhere quite like it. The, the sort of energy of that place was, was really exciting to me. And, and as a person who was kind of a night owl, the, the idea that you could just stuff was happening all the time and you could just go do, you could go somewhere in the middle of the night and it's, you know, some stuff is available to, <laughs> to do, um, and just the the sort of wealth of of uh, incredible food and the fact that it's like a walking town, you know, like that's a that that was really awesome. And I don't know, I just I everything just kind of, is walkable. Yeah, exactly. And I just kind of fell in love with with the city 
and knew, okay, well, I need to, I need to spend some time here. Like this is something I really want to do. So, so I only ended up applying to places in New York, um, for college just cause that's where I wanted to, I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, and luckily I, I, I managed to get into Gallatin and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a really good, uh, place for me to be. Cause I was sort of uninterested in a traditional college experience based on what I understood those to be. Um, and one of the things that was attractive to me about NYU was that it's just, there's no campus. You just live in New York city and then you go to classes at, you know, at NYU. Um, and so I was really, you know, I, I was just anxious to begin doing that. Um, I think. And so that's, that's part of what was attractive about it to me. Totally. I I, uh, I did a short stint at uh, Brooklyn College studying film before uh, Andrew and I's old band took me elsewhere. And I, I, I so desperately wanted to move to the city that never sleeps until I realized, hey, I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's so loud outside, yeah. you know. That yeah. it, so I wasn't too uh, upset about yeah. leaving. But I yeah. mean, hey, you know, it seems like you it kind of worked out for you because, I mean, yeah if memory serves me correctly from sort of watching those documentaries we referenced earlier, that's where you met Ashley Barrett, right? Who became a huge part of Supergiant or, or did you meet her prior? So actually, Ashley and I both grew up in the Bay area and did musical theater at the same musical theater place. Um, that's awesome. And we didn't know each, we just had a bunch of mutual friends. We didn't, we didn't know each other when we were doing the theater stuff. Um, and I met her because I was doing that demo album for that musical that I had written, and I was looking for a singer for a particular part, and she was recommended to me by a bunch of mutual friends who were in who were in theater um, with her. And so she did. So she killed it on that project. And when I was working on Bastion, I thought, well, geez, I, I should probably call her up. I bet she'll she'll kill this too. Um, so so yeah, and 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 that was it. And and that was the first time we'd worked together. Was was that um, that demo album I did. Oh, okay, so you guys just both wow. happen to go to to Brooklyn from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. She she. That's crazy. I think she finished college and then went out moved out to New York. Um, and I yeah I went to school out there. Okay, and if my memory serves me correct, I'm a huge like and Andrew is too like punk rock sort of like and Andrew might not be so much a ska guy. I won't put those words mm-hmm. into his mouth, but I mm-hmm. am. I mean, and, I know, like ska more than like the the old classic punk rock. So. Yeah. Okay, true. And so it seems like you were kind of coming up in your your like late teenage years still sort of around like some of the golden age you know some of the bands that like are legendary for crafting the bay area and i mean yeah i I just assume maybe you you like some of that music i've seen you in an aquabats t-shirt before so i mean (laughs) that must have been tough to leave i mean i couldn't leave if i had like those legendary bands kicking around yeah it's weird like i i wasn't into a lot of that stuff at that time like i like the aquabats but they're from san diego um and, and I, I, but I wasn't really into ska so much at that time. And I wasn't really into like, like Mr. Bungle, I would say is probably the coolest Bay area band that, <laughs> you know, Great that band. was kind of around Mr. when I was Bungle. around. Um, but, uh, but I wasn't into them at that time also. Like I was, you know what I mean? Like I hadn't discovered them yet. Um, you know, I was like in high school, I was into I mean, some of these bands I'm still into, but I was into They Might Be Giants. I was into those first two Weezer albums. I was into this band called Ozma, which is kind of like a like a better Weezer. Um, <laughs> I was whoa, whoa, uh, yeah, write that down. controversial Damn. statement. O- o- Ozma, <laughs> if you hear them, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> rad." Like, 
Yeah, they just have they just have more interesting stuff going on, but also kind of have that Weezer vibe. But it's like more, uh, more of what you love, and more less exciting. Of what you don't. Yeah, yeah, less of what you don't. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so they they're great, and I and I loved um, you know Bjork and uh, and like Jeff Buckley and Radiohead and stuff, and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and all, and all that stuff. So that that's the stuff that I was really into at that time, and 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 I was never. I in general wasn't really into anything current uh, for the most part, like except Radiohead. Radiohead was like one of the few bands that was like making new albums that I thought were good. That was, that was the most mainstream that you got. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, for a minute I kind of, I liked Coldplay or whatever kind of, um, I like that first album. I, I like them each a little bit less, you know, as they right, right. <laughs> as they went. Parachutes is parachutes really is awesome. Good. Yeah, that was really cool. Great. I stopped with um, like Viva La Vida. Yeah, that was that was pretty I, much like was the out. last yeah. like really good one. Yeah, yeah, I was out by then. I thought like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, and and again, like even even bands like Queens of the Stone Age that were happening when I was in college, I came to like them a lot more later. Like, like mm-hmm. I. I wasn't for whatever reason. I just wasn't up on any of this stuff. I guess the darkness, the darkness is a band that I liked, like when they came out, and still like them. Okay. Um, Can't say I know them. So, but that the darkness. Oh, they're cool. Um, you should check them out. They had that song. I believe in a thing called love was their hit in the in the two thousands, and they had um, growing on me and and uh, yeah, they had they had a couple of hits, but they have like the the singer has this incredible like high falsetto thing that he does and and they're kind of like it, it it almost reads as parody but it is not parody it's like really it's really uh their their band photo on spotify is pretty pretty sick yeah exactly i mean like... <laughs> that's pretty much just you know imagine how that band sounds and then you're right basically <laughs> and, and not to steer too far away because i i promise i have a segue yeah. off this um to get back to sort of like learning more about your, your journey and stuff but you, are yeah. you familiar with wolfpack at all Oh yeah, I feel like they almost read as parody, but they're not. Yeah, like you know, they're they're just. I see what just, you mean. Yeah, they're just fun. Yeah, like I think Wolfpack is like they just have like a really fun vibe, and like the music isn't silly. Some of the lyrics right. are silly, but but the music is not. You know, the music is just feels awesome and grooves. Exactly, and, then they're just and I'm a huge. Silly. I'm also yeah. a huge uh, Wolfpack, and then I, their related artist Spotify does great with that. I found this this artist yep. called Lewis Cole, and he's pretty parody, oh, but he's I not. I love Lewis Cole. I but love he's him. Not, he's though. like one of my. F- no, he's just again. He's just like funny. Like he's like he's not joking. I mean, he is kind of joking, but it's not. The music isn't a joke. The music is like seriously amazing yeah you know? exactly kind of like that Loose weezer Cole. mentality but again not the stuff you don't like yeah <laughs> and 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 loose cole i feel like weezer take themselves really seriously kind of actually like when i when i dug more into them youtube keeps feeding me this video that i haven't clicked on yet that the title is weezer fails to recognize their own music yeah <laughs> and it's just the pic the thumbnail is just rivers cuomo with headphones on and i'm like i that's do believe really, that that is exactly what this video that's is. that's a really funny idea <laughs> that's awesome I, I um yeah i mean lewis cole is one of my favorite people right now one of my favorite artists like he's doing stuff that is so insane and so musical like that's the thing that's crazy about that guy in particular is that most people who are virtuosos like he is 
don't have good ideas or like they've spent so much time practicing that they're like creative ideas don't exist or whatever. I don't know what it is. I'm, and, and again, this is a generalization and not always true, obviously. No, I totally but, get that. Um, like, you you, have, you know, Yingwei Mao's team, right? How are you familiar with yeah. him? Yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah, the yeah, dude yeah. can shred, but to be honest with you, I can't say I can name a single one of his songs and I've probably heard no. him and not been into him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's like, it sounds like he's running scales to me. You know what I mean? Like when I hear that guy play, it sounds like he's practicing still while I'm listening to him, you know? Exactly. Um, Great video of him ripping on an acoustic guitar in a stand in Japan on YouTube. Look that up if you guys want. I mean, (laughs) he can just, yeah, no, like his ability is not in question, you know, I mean. For sure. But but for me, like the thing that Lewis, that's so amazing about Lewis Cole that I really respect is that he is a guy who's like as good as any drummer that exists um, at playing the drums and, and an incredible keyboard player too. And, and his production is awesome. And he has like really interesting creative ideas and, his music is like the melodies are good and it's accessible with crazy stuff happening under the hood. Like that's the most interesting thing about him and, and Noah, his one of his, his bands that he's involved in. Oh, I didn't um, know he had a band. I definitely got to check that out. Noah is kick-ass. It's him and and the singer Genevieve Vartati. And uh, he does all the, on the albums, he basically <clears throat> does all the instrument instrumental stuff. It's just drums and a bunch of keys, um, you know, different types of keys but he plays incredible like funk key bass and stuff um but yeah nowhere is great the album life is incredible and and actually the live nowhere band is like one of the best concerts i've ever seen in my life um they usually play with a sax player and a keyboard player um and he plays the drums cool and it's like it's oh and a bass and a bass player and uh it's just like some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen. You should, if you want to check out Noah, the, my favorite, uh, like entrance to checking out that band is the live video that of them performing, um, time traveler. And it's just them like in a house with like a pretty well-made video, but it's like, like, uh, they're just performing this track. You know, it's obviously all in one this take. Is, this is them, right? Nowhere. Yep, that's them. Perfect. Andrew, Sweet. I was like thinking like, wow, this would be such bad form to ask how to spell something on a podcast. But <laughs> no, I was like I mean, dying to know what it was. So I was just thinking, I was like, how do you... You it out, man. <laughs> I was just thinking that like, how do you spell no-er? And then I was yeah. like, it's a fucking word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, cool, man. I so definitely got to check that out. Um, yeah, I mean, if you dig Lewis Cole, it's like very related. It's just yeah, and and Genevieve Vartati is an awesome vocalist and stuff. So so it's uh, the last thing I'll say about Lewis Cole is you know all of those things you said, hundred percent yes, but then his lyrics are so just of the time in a sense where he's just kind of not as formal like he'll curse if he wants to curse he he has like a hip quality to it that is c- complete dichotomy in regards to like how he's like got like these 70s funk tracks and then like almost like these cinematic interlude style like three minute very like you know washed piano tracks but like yeah. the, the wordplay sometimes is super casual and it's a really yeah. weird feeling that i get while listening to him i'm like yeah. what's kind of going on here but i like it and i think that's an excellent segue actually into talking about you as a composer because you fascinate me in the sense that not only did you create your own genre and that's totally something i want to dive into and and sort of get behind but before we even get into that you know how does a guy who comes from working in studios and clearly you know just talking to you now i'm getting the sense that you're like kind of a rock guy you like a little pop you like a little but like 
you know, you play D&D, so there's some of that that I think lends itself to being creative in that regard, working with, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the super giant team. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like you woke up and said, I want to compose for video games. You know, it kind of seems like you, you maybe wanted to either produce bands and have control group on the Mm -hmm. side and hopefully something takes off with that someday but it certainly does not seem to me like you wanted to be a video game composer yet here we are (laughs) yeah i was waiting i was waiting for you in that backstory to be like yeah and then i went to the arcade and i fell in love with video games right does this dude even uh, play video games i I don't even know yet i think that i left out of course is that i love i've grown up loving and playing video games for sure um you know i i started playing games when i was Probably about five five years old, and my I had older brothers, so we had all the systems. We had a twenty six hundred Atari twenty six hundred, and when we got the the NES and all that stuff, and all the way onward, and yeah, I mean, I, I grew up loving that stuff and loving some video game music. Not, I wouldn't say that I love video game music like overall necessarily right. as something that I listen to, but but particular games really made an impression on me as a kid, like Marble Madness for the NES. That game was a trip. <laughs> I've um, heard of that game, but I've never played it. You can like, you know, play it on an emulator online or whatever, and right, it's, right. it's uh, if you if you want. But it's the music is incredible, and it's so weird. And the game is weird. It's like an MC Escher like isometric Nintendo, like where you play as a marble going down a marble run, essentially. Right. That sounds um, like a really weird fever dream of a game I played for N sixty four, where it was basically that, except all of the marbles had faces and names, <laughs> and they were all elastic. And I was like, is this a race or is this a mini game? What's I don't even happening? know what's going yeah, yeah, yeah. on, but Amazing. it yeah. was definitely a trip. Yeah. But so, so I was really, that game really made an impression on me. Um, you know, I game, you know, Fallout 2 is a game I loved. Uh, one of my favorites of all time, probably because it just, I'd never really played anything like it. And the tone was so unique and, and I hadn't played Fallout 1 at that time, which I went back and subsequently played and it's awesome also. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and rock band, I, and Guitar Hero and all that stuff, I started playing, like, in 2007 when Rock Band, when Guitar Hero came out. 2007? 2005, I think, is Guitar Hero. That sounds um, right. And, and I you know, Amir, you know, who had was in the know, uh, he showed, you know, we, it was Christmas break, we were all home, and, and um, he, he brought over Guitar Hero, and just, like, that's all we did for the whole break. And then I went mm. out and bought it because I was like, okay, well, I need this. This is the best thing I've ever done. I feel like done, everybody you know? has one of those stories with Guitar yeah. Hero. Like, my buddy brought over, we played it, and then I went and I got it, and I five-starred yeah. every song. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I exactly. I wish and, and... Guitar Hero was never invented. Not that I think I'm a bad guitar player. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely solid. But I would have been such a better guitar player if Guitar Hero yeah. never came out. That's true, but the good thing with Guitar Hero and Rock Band is it introduced a lot of kids like me to all of the old rock that you didn't get before that. Like, I had never heard of Coheed and Cambria before Rock Band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I, uh, well, so first, yeah, Rock rock Band, so I still play Rock Band, and I kind of stayed with Harmonix when they made Rock Band, and I just went that way. Have you checked Um, out Fuser? Uh, yeah, I checked out Fuser. Yeah, my my kid digs that one. Yeah, it's yeah. it's cool. It's like I really it's like Drop Mix, but the, but the video exactly. Game, you know? But yeah, you don't yeah. have to buy all these dumb cards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you you do still, but they're you not do, physical. but yeah. at least you can't lose them. <laughs> yeah, at least you can't use them. <laughs> lose them. Yeah. Um, no, but it's it's yeah, it's really interesting. It's like um, when the first when the first Rock Band came out, we we had all played Guitar Hero and one and two, and we're all into those, and we had a bunch of fun with those. And then when Rock Band came out, that winter break was just it was like the f- most fun like three weeks where we all just we went to Amir's house and he had all the gear set up 
and like we'd do it every day for like six hours like it was a band like a real band we'd go and we'd do the world tour mode and and the thing that was so incredible about that experience is that that game unlike any other game i'd ever played created like a simulation of like real band dynamics we'd yes. be like you know, come on, man, you got to play on expert so we can get more fans, you know, get, get your stuff together. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta, it's just like Chris and I had days like that too. I remember one time we were at a friend's, I don't remember if it was her high school graduation party or if it was her birthday, but it was me, Chris and another mutual friend of ours. We were hanging out and I don't even remember how long we were there, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I've got rock band set up in my basement. Like all the furniture is not even down there. Like it's just yeah. a big empty room with rock band. And we were like, the should best we room. just leave? Yeah. yeah. So and we, we just the left party and we hey, went, band practice we calls. ditched the party <laughs> and went to my house and played rock band, just drummer, two guitarists. Yeah. And we played so, we probably played that game for four hours. Yeah. It's and we were performing. Like I That's remember wonderful. sweating. Yeah. And I, so, and then I play, uh, you can't see quite see it, but I have an electronic kit right there. And, I see the uh, wires. Yeah, and that's what I I play rock band. Like I try to play like once a week still. I just love playing the rock band drums these days. And in 2010, I was the national rock band champion. In fact, what? Yeah, I don't we, even know what that how means. Do you do but that? It sounds awesome. How do you do that? There were two years where rock band had a national, I think, a North American rock band competition. I'm uh, so mad. I would have been so good. Yeah. Oh, and, and, I'm and so two, mad. What a missed opportunity. In 2010, and and it was a battle of the bands. Where they, it's not just score based. It's like costume and performance. And I remember. The whole thing. Did they do this on MTV? It was MTV. They may have aired like a tiny little segment from it potentially. Like because I, I remember Sway MTV Calloway. did a thing like that where like everyone was on like a legit stage. Playing yeah, this rock was band, in. It was, was like, in. It was in Atlantic City at a yeah, like a, a stage and casino. Yeah, it was it. It was at like Harrah's or something. Oh my uh, god. But yeah, it was incredible. And so my band won the 2010 one, which was the last one they ever had because. Uh, MTV, you know, sold harmonics mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. didn't own them anymore, and they were the ones who hosted this event. So, so technically, I'm the reigning rock band. I champion. was just gonna say undefeated <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> because they didn't have any other ones. That's awesome! Wow, um, yeah, that was wow. that was so much fun. So, ha- but I, I'm sorry you... that we didn't mention that in your intro. <laughs> that is <laughs> when true. We that, introduced you. That's on us. 100 percent on okay. us. That's the name of the episode. We talked with the reigning rock band yeah. champion. World yeah. champion. Yeah. Get hyped. World champion. I mean, Get it right. World champion. Sorry. <laughs> no. Sorry. So, Darren, that that was a, that was an amazing little rabbit hole. I do have to say, but that still doesn't sort of answer the question. Oh, yes. You know, how does how does one go from being yeah. so eclectic and so versed in in rock music to ending up composing music for video games? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, uh, you know, my interest in production. Um, and especially, you know, when I started digging into logic, they really have some incredible sample libraries and stuff that, that I was playing around with that was maybe not in my wheelhouse necessarily or stuff that I would think to make. But when I heard it, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. That'll pair nicely with this thing that I would think of, you know? And so, uh, I think it was, it was really like partially because of discovering, at just having this like chemistry with this DAW, um, that that really kind of allowed me to to compose in the way that I started uh, started doing around that time. Um, and for me, yeah, it wasn't an ambition that I I had necessarily, but when the opportunity came up, I was totally all about it. I mean, it was it was uh, it made perfect sense to me. Like when when Amir asked me to do the audio for Supergiant, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm. That sounds amazing. Like, why didn't I think of that? 
I can do that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of my, my reaction. So, um, yeah. But you're a one man team. So from someone who was sort of kicking around in New York doing internships, um, and, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but it seems like maybe there might've been some frustration there with, in regards to like how the internship process was going, where it seemed like maybe your real growth was coming in your personal time. And that's kind of not the point of an internship. Uh, did I get yeah, that for right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I found the internship to be valuable in certain ways, but there was just, you know, I was a little impatient, I think with it. I mean, I was there for a while, but I just kind of, um, wanted a little bit more, something else out of it than, than, than maybe what I was getting. Um, and so, yeah, I spent a lot of time in my off time, just kind of experimenting and trying to, to push on that stuff as, as hard as I could. Um, you know, and, and gain experience in whatever way I could if I wasn't kind of gaining that experience in the in the internship, you know. Yeah, totally. So then this challenge presents itself and you jump you jump to the occasion. Is that is that sort of maybe out of frustration where it's like the systems you had in place weren't really getting you what you wanted? And this was because I mean, I think it's like to me, it. I mean, if I ever got asked to, you know, to join a company, it would be like joining a startup, right? Like, there's a lot of risk in that. And you kind of have an internship at a studio that has credibility. And, you know, you're you're making a living off music at this point. And so where was kind of your head at in regards to that? Oh, okay, gotcha. I yeah, mean, and then paint, paint I us wasn't, I wasn't really making a living. I was I was attempting to, but it, it was, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was making a little money here and there. I'd like... That the thing I most I got paid for most was to produce stuff, and that was fairly infrequent. But every once in a while, I get paid to produce a thing. Every once in a while, I'd get like a little composing gig, like I like a few times total. And you know, every once in a while, I'd have like a very low-paying musician gig, essentially. And and so basically, my you know, I was getting support, and I, you know, I'm super lucky to have had been you know have my parents be able to like help me out during this time and like supplement my rent you know, money you know um to allow me to not have to get a day job essentially that I could just fully focus on um on this thing that I I knew I had to be the thing that I did you know music in some form or fashion so um so that was yeah I mean I, I, you know not to I don't want to give the impression that that um the stuff I was doing at that time was making me a living. It was not, um, for sure. So, so when the opportunity came up to do this, I, it seemed, it didn't seem risky to me because it was going to, it wasn't a high paying cause it was a, you know, we were self-funded and we we're trying to, to be frugal, you know, with, with what we paid ourselves and everything. Um, but, uh, it was paying, you know, which was like better than a lot of the stuff I was doing, which was not paying, you know, uh, and I got to work with a buddy of mine. I was really excited to do that. I got to work on a video game, which I was excited to do. And it just seemed like a fun challenge, um, of a thing that I didn't fully know how I was going to approach, but it seemed like a fun kind of puzzle to solve, you know? And for me, one of the ways I like to, uh, improve and learn is to kind of get into the deep end, uh, over my head a little bit and try to... <laughs> figure it out try to learn to swim that way uh how much of the game was done when you were asked to start doing the music or was it like right at the beginning they were like we're about to do this thing and we need sound and we need you to make sounds it was pretty much right at the beginning i mean i think there may have been like a little prototype or something mm -hmm. um but 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 it was like weeks not you know not not even months i think okay. yeah i think wow. it was like 
right, right, pretty much right at the beginning. How new were you to sound design? Because it seems like we've spoken a lot about you as um, a musician and someone who wants to record bands and be in a band, but you're the one man show here at Supergiant, you know, the one man team. So, Uh, yeah, so I was brand new to sound design at that time and had to learn a lot uh, about it really fast. And that was part of the fun challenge for me was just trying to figure out all that stuff as I went. Um, I had to bother uh, the engineers a lot to like help me figure out how to, it's like, can you, well, so also we were using a, a, a middleware and integration software for the audio that's <coughs> pretty uh, not fully featured, let's say. And it was free and, and not super great. And I had to ask the engineers to like write me a reverb, like, please, can I have a reverb, please, you know, <laughs> that, that can play in the game. And, and I just kind of had to figure out how to, what my approach to sound design was going to be. You know, originally I tried um, making sounds that would be kind of a, an ex- like a more of a one-to-one with the actual thing the character was doing. And, and it proved to be unsatisfying. You know, you want it to be bigger and more exaggerated and, and, and more exciting and provide like visceral feedback for, for the stuff that you're doing in the game. So, so I kind of, triangulated my approach from with feedback from from uh the other members of the team and and just kind of experimentation and and putting it in the game and seeing how it felt and thinking well this what's wrong with this like this should be theoretically it should work but it's not working and why and and trying to back solve all that stuff and and iterate on it and and improve it and so over time i kind of developed an approach um to that Mm. stuff but but yeah it was certainly like a steep uh learning curve like at the, at the beginning, just trying to like, I don't know how any of this works literally, <laughs> you know, like right. the scripting and the middleware and all that stuff. So, And at what point did you get really good at describing what sound, like how the music sounds? Cause looking at the, it says like Corb describes the music as this. I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you come up with all those adjectives to come together? Like for yeah, Bastion, yeah. you said it was acoustic frontier trip hop. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. So been dying to talk about that. Yeah. Thank you. Andrew. I couldn't, if, if, <laughs> yeah, if like, if someone was just like, Oh, it's acoustic frontier trip hop. I couldn't even like think of what, to use my to do with my mouth to like make you know it's like yeah 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 i don't know (laughs) well i mean for me it was really something that i did as like something to help myself be able to do it because i you know i I was trying to solve the problem of well i don't have experience as a composer i don't have a, a the the tools available to a, a traditional composer and 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 so I wanted to find a way to unify the music in the game uh without having it sound the same and without having it be repetitive and so I decided that just sort of developing a style for the music or a production aesthetic um would really help me just kind of focus the effort and not have to worry too much about like not repeating myself and you know and I could sort of put a pin in the map and just kind of make everything in a radius around that um and and the different aspects <clears throat> that are the the sort of contrasting styles in that description are meant to sort of represent different aspects of the game's tone or setting um mm-hmm. you know the acoustic part is the sort of western vibe that the game has the frontier aspect is meant to represent the sort of you know exotic 
uh, nature of the locales and uh, in the game and 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 this world, and that's represented by some of those sort of uh, medi- you know Eastern instruments in there that are sort of at least strange to a to a Western listener, you know, or 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 when compared with the other stuff there, you know, that maybe maybe are not a something you would think to to combine. And then the trip hop component was um, to help just put put the the listener in a new space. That combined with these other two components, I felt would help just put them somewhere they hadn't been before um, to this this new setting. And part of the that was, I mean, and a lot of that stuff was arrived at with just practical constraints in mind because I knew, okay, I I don't have any budget to pay anyone to help me on this. I can't go into a recording studio and record live drums or anything like that. So this is, this is all stuff that I can do in my apartment. That's the constraint. It's just stuff that I have to be able to execute by myself here with the tools, tools that I have. And so the trip hop part of it was convenient for me because, Hey, I have all these incredible sounds and loops and logic that are of this style that, that I can totally pull off and, and it won't seem you know, it'll seem like a choice and not a, not a constraint, you know, (laughs) and, and that, that'll work and it'll do this interesting stylistic thing. And I've got this acoustic guitar and I can record it. I have this microphone and we could do that. And, you know, and, and so a lot of it was just doing, making the best choice I could given my constraints, um, at the time. No, that's, that's super interesting, man. Um, I really love that you just dove into each word of that because I would really love yeah. to see how you would do that with the other two that you described. Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. was the best sort of way to go about it. And now, so I'm curious, you know, as you've grown and as the company's grown, um, obviously you've had a lot of great success, I think rightfully so, but how, you know, how much of that Bastion approach, because there's certainly a magic in that game and a magic in that score. Mm-hmm. And to me, I would say that it's it's been there throughout the entirety of it, but maybe the approach has changed and maybe you just keep, you know, catching lightning in a bottle. I mean, how, how have you sort of grown now being a, a composer, going from someone who kind of didn't expect this path, but you rose to the occasion and now here you are? Right. I think what Chris is really asking is how do you go from acoustic frontier trip up to old world electronic post-rock? Again, Andrew, Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. What <laughs> That's what asking. everyone wants to know. Yeah, well, you know, on transistor, I mean, for me, I'm just trying to do the best I can to match the setting of the game and help immerse the player in that in that location and and the vibe and the, and the place, which has to be so fun because all of those games have the coolest ideas. Yeah, all yeah, of, it's, all all of them are just like, how do you come up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a ton of a ton of fun, and and I I think for me the yeah the main thing is just trying to figure out styles that will evoke an instrument like a sonic palette that are going to evoke this particular place combined with whatever tone and, and, and other thematic stuff we're trying to do. And so I come at it for each game. I try to come at it from a perspective of what are the instruments that would make sense to hear in this place based on how it looks and how it feel, how it's, we want it to feel. What are the what is the type of music that people here would listen to? What's the type of music that people here would make? And I try to make, you know, the music isn't all necessarily diegetic, like it's not coming from a place in the world necessarily, but I try to make the the choices around the composition somewhat diegetic, if that makes sense. Like I want I want there to be like texture of the world in the music. 
Um, and so, so I, a, a lot of that happens at the beginning of the project where I'm just kind of experimenting with what instruments are going to be sort of central to this place. Um, and for Transistor, you know, it was, it was sort of like a sci-fi Venice, you know, vintage futurism kind of vibe. Right. And, and, and so what, what is that? Right. And, and, uh, the old world stuff is meant to represent like kind of like the European vibe, like the vintage European vibe of the place. Um, and with instruments like harps and accordions and, um, and other things like that. And then the, uh, electronic component is the sort of computery sci-fi thing with, you know, the process and, and, and all the enemy, the sort of enemy faction is all sort of computery. So, so I wanted uh, that to be a component of the music. And then the post-rock part of it was just a pure tonal thing for me. Um, it's like, like, um, okay. Computer by Radiohead isn't a post-rock album, but, but that was a big influence for me in particular, um, on the tone of that soundtrack. Um, and, and also like people like, uh, Image and Heap and, um, and, uh, Bjork and, and other artists like that. And even, well, so for post-rock, like Granddaddy, um, you know, was, uh, was an influence as well. Um, and so the, that's kind of represented by the kind of ghostly reverbed out guitars that are doing like repetitive, like kind of driving riffs and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, each component kind of represents a different element of, of the soundtrack. And, and for that one, it took me a while, like the description came later than the sound, you know? Totally. Whereas for Bastion, I came up with the the idea and then the, did the thing, you know. So it depends on the on the game. Um, and for Pyre, it took you know I think it was like less of a a concern. I, my my goal for Pyre, <laughs> yeah, I didn't was, I couldn't find the Corb described thing for yeah, Pyre. Pyre, I, it just I, says you served as the composer. I don't like, really great. remember even what <laughs> I called it. I know, know. I, I I know I said it somewhere, <laughs> but but my go explicit goal was I want to make I want to extrapolate a genre out from the in from just the beginning of stairway to heaven <laughs> <laughs> wow that's the, like, awesome it's arguably the better part of wow. the song it's just the mellotron flutes and the like the riff you know the like acoustic riff wait and hang on you don't think those like, are I real flutes have i been living a lie my whole life they might be real but when they play it live oh it's yeah, yeah he's on you know, okay cool he's on the yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, I got you you okay. almost just rocked chris's entire I, those universe. are real i just watched <laughs> this, ne this documentary last night this uh zeppelin documentary about that album but it was such a weird documentary because like they didn't license any of the actual tracks from the album for the documentary is all live versions so they're they're talking specifically about the recorded tracks and somebody in a, in a in a segment will be like oh on the they do this little production thing and then they'll play that section of the song from a live concert that doesn't have that in it obviously because yeah it's such a weird documentary anyway yeah digress I there are no no clue they have some yeah. <laughs> they have some weird legalities going on over in the led zeppelin camp we i think it's pretty oh, yeah. well known unfortunately yeah it's jimmy page just owns all the masters and just doesn't let anybody do anything with them yet. yeah yep must be the nice zeppelin rock band that never happened you know <sighs> okay but then how do you get from all of that to mediterranean prog rock halloween Yes, Mediterranean that's prog rock. The best yes, that's, what was that's it? 80s. It kind of cut out for me a and little bit. I, I want to make sure the listeners fully Medit heard that. Mediterranean prog rock Halloween music. Oh, we definitely got to yes, talk that's about that's the that. music of Hades. <laughs> Hades. So I, I'll admit, I haven't played the other three. I looked like I've seen so many just yeah. videos and 
everything because I watch a lot of video game YouTube <clears throat> videos about, you yeah. know, like, you know, like Bastion's ending and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hades actually got and played. And I mean, even besides the music, the game is freaking awesome. Thank you. And reading that description, I'm like, first you read all the words and you're like, no, what does that even mean? That doesn't mean anything. And then you think about it and you're like, fuck. <laughs> that's exactly what it is like i couldn't exactly wow. tell you why so good andrew that was but it is uh, like yeah. it's and it kind of well, makes me mad well <laughs> yeah so again you know each component represents a different aspect of the game's tone and setting right so the mediterranean stuff is the greek vibe like that's the greek vibe it's a greek underworld it's got to have mm-hmm, a mediterranean mm-hmm. vibe so i have like bozuki uh lavta and and uh Balama, those two are Turkish instruments, but it's all, it, you, if you go back far enough, it was all one thing. Right. And, um, and so, <clears throat> and then, you know, kind of hand percussion stuff to give, to give, a, you know, kind of like an, an a older Mediterranean vibe. And then the, it's, it's in hell. So you got to have some metal, you know? <laughs> so the, yes, it must I, be epic. It must be metal. So the, the, <laughs> the prog rock uh, component is meant to like represent that. And I figure the sort of, in in a in a in a Greek hell, for some reason, it just made sense to me to have like weird time signatures. It's like you have to be like a little bit uncomfortable with something about the music. So um, there is a sense of just like the music makes me feel like it's like you shouldn't stay in this room. You need to get yeah, out of this room. Yeah, you got to keep moving, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to rest. Um, so a lot of it has funky time signatures and stuff, uh, which is the sort of prog rock component as well. And and, and some of that's in in like a folk, like a med- like a folk thing those that's kind of a common component is strange time signatures um from like uh, mediterranean folk and and i even like um i listened to this band called vertina which is like a they're either finnish or i don't know some scandinavian country i forget where they're from but they have this song in like 218 which was really it's like a compound meter 21 i don't think i can i've even never heard of that before i won't even lie to you right now it's really <laughs> weird. Eight. But like But eight doesn't even go into twenty one. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty one eighth notes in a in a measure, right, is the idea, right? Mm. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um but uh but but so 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 I tried to do some of that kind of stuff. I have I, I made my own tune in twenty one eight just to you know, because I was like, Oh, this is weird and interesting and mentally fascinating and it's uh, out of Tartarus is is mostly in twenty one eight. But um and then the Halloween <laughs> music that aspect of it is represented in the game by like this kind of theremin like component that, that is throughout the soundtrack, uh, which I play on a little Casio SK one with a bunch of effects on it basically is what that is. Um, and that, uh, to me is meant to represent the sort of lightness and the quirk of the game's tone, which is not represented anywhere else in the music. Yes. Um, the game is like on the surface should be gloomy but it is not when you play. It's like positive and sort of it's like got a sense of right. humor and it's happy. I've, I've never played a game where like you beat a boss and then you see the boss at your house and they're yeah. like, you rapscallion. And you're yeah. like, ah, sorry. Yeah. Greg, uh, Greg said that, that, you know, he was really interested. It, it was almost, he was inspired by, you know, those old like Looney Tunes cartoons where they like, these two characters are like beating each other up and then the bell rings and they like go clock out and they're at the bar yeah, having yeah. a drink. Yeah, you know? like the dog and the chickens and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the same the same idea. It's like yeah. you know, and 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 there's like it's Hades 
among other things, it's just a workplace, you know, like the House right. of Hades, right? That it's was, like, yeah, I saw something in one of the reviews that was like, Hades brings us like the one thing that we didn't know we needed in a roguelite, and that's Dating Simulator. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that was good. the one thing that wow. Diablo could never, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Diablo could never. Also, yeah. I just want to say before we get too off topic of all these songs, like, so playing Hades, I hear the music, and then I went back and listened to the music from the other games, and mm. it's so weird, like, Listening to it, I found this one song that isn't your song kept mm-hmm. popping into my head after mm-hmm. listening to all your music, and that was Rasputin by Boney M. I don't know if oh, you know I, that song. I don't know that one. The beginning of that song, like the guitar tone at least for the beginning, just I just feel like I keep hearing that part of that song in all of your music, and it's oh, probably cool. just the guitar tone and the way they play it, because they're... Yeah, yeah. I think they were put together in Germany or something like that, so oh, they got this weird... And that song is like a weird, like... It's disco, but it's also like telling the story of Rasputin, so it's trying to sound all old-time Russian-y, and it's just the weirdest thing. And saying all that out loud, I'm like, of course this reminds me of Darren's music, because he just described all of his music as like a crazy fever dream of just setting and atmosphere and like feeling. It's just, it's so crazy. I also love how you made acoustic guitars obnoxiously heavy in like the best way possible. It's like mm-hmm. you took the Breaking Bad theme song and you said, okay, I see you and I'll raise your bet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because really Literally, the heavy nature I there really is what hope... Heisenberg's doing. And, you know, it's just your typical sort of Western Listen, style. I'm, yeah. I'm praying that the next Supergiant game is Western theme because that's what I want to see you tackle. Well, we'll get, yeah, I mean, we'll get there because even yeah. if you can't speak about it, we obligatorily have to ask you what's on the future. But before we, uh, <laughs> before we get there... Yeah, like they tell him. <laughs> Uh, before we get there, I, um, you know, I, kind of want to, I kind of want to talk about this Abbey Road recording. I mean, that seems like yeah. a once in a lifetime musical dream experience and I would love to hear about it, man. I'd love to, let me live vicariously oh. through you. Hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on real quick. I yeah. just, before we get into that, because I don't want to derail that, yeah. I just want to ask, was it fun doing voice acting for a game on top of doing the music? Yeah, I mean, it, was a, it was a blast. I, you know, I, I'd done a little bit in Pyre, um, but that game was mostly not in English. Like it was like in a made up language. So right. it's pretty different, you know, mm. um, you could just hide. It doesn't really, no one can tell if it's a good performance or not. Cause it's, it's just like speaking amazing. Simlish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but in Hades, yeah, no, it was fun. And it was, I was a little nervous at first. Um, but the way I ended up getting cast as, as Zagreus and Skelly was just, we had, um, we recorded some scratch vo or i recorded some scratch vo for these characters and we had some other people record scratch for some other characters and and we in the end we just didn't end up getting auditions that we preferred to the scratch that i had recorded so i just kind of defaulted into these characters and i was like okay i guess i'm gonna do it you know and i I didn't we didn't at that time really have a sense of what the vo scope was going to be or anything and i didn't know that zagreus was going to end up having nine thousand lines of dialogue in the game i was gonna (laughs) i wanted to ask how long did it take you to record all that because there's so many options to talk with and about and who it's just like how yeah so i mean overall in the game there's over twenty two thousand lines of, of voiceover um and we recorded them over the course of development for about i'd say three years um, is pretty Jeez. much kind of at, at semi-regular intervals over about three years, um, just kind of chunking away at it over time. That's crazy. And it blows my mind that you're Zagreus and Skelly. Skelly <laughs> being arguably the best 
non-player character in my opinion. I, but. I love Skelly. Yeah, he's he's how, on my face too. How did you? Did they ask you for that kind of like like accent? You know, like New York kind of guy, or you? That was just you decided that. I you know it's there's just this. We had a character in Pyre who who had a voice that my friends and I would do just for fun um, a lot. And his, his name is Falcon Ron in Pyre. He's a shopkeeper. And he kind of talked like this, but it was in a made up language, <laughs> you know, like, and then, and so, so we thought, well, it would be fun to have another character. We should just have that character in every game now, you know, going forward, um, <laughs> just to amuse us. And for Skelly, you know, so I, you know, I, I tried doing that initially for Skelly, but it was like, this guy's more high energy than Ron is, you know, Skelly's like, he's got a, he's got a lot to say. And he's, yeah, he's like, and beat he's, the shit out of me, bro. Yeah. He's like, Hey, come on. What are you, what are you doing? And, and, um, <laughs> and so I, I just kind of, it was like, it ended up being like that voice kind of meets Joe Pesci or something, you know, like, so I feel um, that, I feel yeah, nice. which, and somebody pointed out to me later after the game had come out in early access, like he basically sounds like Mo from the Simpsons. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess he does. Maybe I should have just been <laughs> doing a Mo voice, but, um, but yeah, he, he was super fun to, to do. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Amazing, man. You, you so wear many fun. hats. That's uh, it's very impressive. So yeah, yeah Abby it's just wrote, like any, any sort of sound that comes from <laughs> super giant is just you, any sound. <laughs> That's a, yeah, a lot of a lot. I, I at least shepherd all the sounds, even if I'm not responsible for for every last uh, last little piece. Did, I, it, did Ashley get to voice any character in Hades? Ashley sings. She sings for Eurydice. Um, oh, right. Duh. Yeah, I knew that. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So, dude, I, I got to know Abbey Road, man. I got the plugins. You know, I'm a huge Beatles fan, but yeah. that doesn't quite oh, come yeah. close <laughs> to I, I assume being in the room where the magic happened. No, it was it was fully insane. Um, basically, the way it came about was for the studio's tenth anniversary in two thousand nine. We wanted to do something really special um, for fans and for you know just to celebrate. And so, uh, somebody had the idea, like maybe maybe you could do like an orchestral concert or something. And originally, I was like, "That's what." How would I do that? Like, what do you mean? That seems insane. Now you're, you're just giving me a lot of work to do. Yeah, like, what, what is that? I, I'm not capable of doing this. This is not my thing. But, uh, and then I thought about it a little more. I'm like, well, let me let me contact a person who would know how to do this. And so I contacted my buddy Austin Wintery, um, who's a video game composer for, you know, Journey and uh, Abzu and uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate and all, all sorts of games. And, and his wheelhouse, I would say, is working with orchestras. And in addition to other stuff, but, but, but I brought this up to him. Like, so, you know, if I were to put on like a concert of orchestral arrangements, like how would that work? And, and he's like, first of all, I think it's a great idea. Second of all, you should do it and I am going to conduct it. And, you know, he was like really on board. Um, and so, so that we kind of got the ball rolling on that and decided on like a sort of a chamber ensemble together. We like put our heads together and I, and I had some specific creative goals. Like I don't want it to just be a translation of the recording to different instruments. I just, I don't want that because I don't think that'll be interesting for people or me. Um, so I was like, no drum kit, you know, like full different orchestral type of vibe. Like it's going to not feel like the songs and, you know, I want to feel different. Um, and so we went with this kind of quirky ensemble with like, you know, it had trombones and, and woodwinds and, and some, you know, tuned percussionists, 
um, and uh, and then a, a string uh, quintet, um, and yeah, and, and a harp, um, and it ended up, you know, the, the the arrangements came together really well. This guy Brian Laguardia um, arranged everything for us, and Austin and I kind of gave him notes and helped kind of shape shepherd that process. And then, yeah, we did the show in, in Seattle and it was such a, an incredible experience for me and, and for Ashley. And we had, we had a ton of fun and, and we thought, geez, you know, this was so much fun and it went so well, maybe we should make an album of these arrangements. And, uh, Austin, I, I went to Austin. I was like, can you, how would I record? Like, how would we do this? What's the process of going about recording in an orchestra somewhere? And so we priced out a few different studios and locations and there's a place in Seattle and a place in Nashville. And then he's like, and I just threw Abbey road in there, you know, just, just in case, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah, like, like you're not going to pick Abbey road. Just it's for like, safekeeping. yeah. And it, it's just like, it's a little, it was like a little more expensive than the other places, but not as much as like, I thought it would be kind of. So, so it was, it was actually kind of, we were able to consider doing it. And I think partially, you know, I, 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 I wrote a couple of tunes for Hades to record there as well, just to help kind of justify the, the the endeavor um and yeah i mean and, and we ended up going it was two days in the studio we did 12 songs in two days ashley and i sang uh in isolation booths like live during the thing and uh and we got yeah we came out of there with a with a record and two songs for hades it was such an incredible experience the musicians were amazing we were in studio two like where the beatles made all the records and stuff it was like so cool I'd, ne- I'd never been to London before. You know, was, Can't put a it, price on any of that. No, it was like all sort of bucket list, amazing, amazing stuff. And Ashley and I played a little acoustic show after we finished our sessions like in London that we announced like, I don't know, it was like two weeks before on a weeknight or whatever. And people showed up. It was like 400 people. Wow, that's that, great, man. Like, we had no, yeah, we had like, it was wow. such a wonderful surprise and incredible experience. And, and it was like one of the last things we all did before the pandemic happened. It was January, 2020. Crazy. And then we did one more thing, which was we did that concert one more time at PAX East, like at the end of February, 2020. And like the next week we were, everybody was in lockdown. Like it was crazy. Like at the end of the following Friday, super giants, like, okay, we're not going into the office anymore. That's wild, man. So yeah. Imagine right under the wire there being able to go and play concerts for work. That must be incredible, dude. That is, uh, and yeah. did you, did, I gotta ask, awesome, did you take yeah. the picture? You know, the obligatory I'm Abbey Road photo. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. I took it. Awesome. Yeah. The crosswalk. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and other ones too. <laughs> I took a couple of real good obligatory Abbey Road photos. Amazing, man. That's so cool. So, yeah. one of the last things I wanted to speak about, um, and I realize it might be sort of a sensitive subject for you, so I don't want to make bring up any emotional things. But, I mean, one of the most heartbreaking things for me when watching the documentary of Making Hades was when, unfortunately, mm-hmm. your studio, which looks just gorgeous, by the way, and, and your studio in, in, in mm-hmm. your, your own section, you know, inside of your offices, yep. it just looks awesome. But, unfortunately, like, it, it seemed to have taken a lot of damage. And uh, we don't need to talk about why that's happening. I think all of us understand what's going on right now in the world. But... I mean, mm-hmm. still, dude, that, that seemed like it. I mean, my instruments are my babies, you know? So yeah. ha, ha, have you been able to sort yeah. of recover from that now that it's been a little bit of time? I mean, I hope everything's going going okay in regards to that. 
Yeah, no, it was it was it was okay. And I, honestly, I was honest. I was glad that they took the shiny instruments instead of the more <clears> valuable. <throat> like they didn't take our like server. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that actually would have been more valuable, but harder to replace and much more damaging to, to us. So, yeah, the we have insurance. The instruments, you know, we're we're just replacing them now. I just picked up. Like I'm very excited. I just got like a. I got like a Moog Matriarch today. Nice. Like I just brought it home. Like I haven't even played it yet and it's sitting over there. I got to figure out where to put it because my, I don't have room for it. But <laughs> anyway, no. So like we're replacing the the instruments. It's totally okay. The, the only one, there's only one of those things had sentimental value to me, which was the Strat that got stolen. It was like my first nice guitar. I got it as a teenager. I've had it since. And it's been, I've played it on every single thing I've ever done, basically um, in some, just at least a little bit. And that got stolen. That was a bummer. But again, it's like you can you can buy a new strat. You know, they make them. They make strats still. You know, it's not for sure. There, there was a guitar. There was a guitar that was like kind of a custom-y guitar that that this guy in New York made. Um, that I really thought was awesome and cool. Um, it wasn't. It's not like the best guitar on the planet, but it's just not. It's just, it was just kind of a one of a kind thing. So that that was a bummer to get stolen. But but I'm I got a different thing. So I, I'm I'm going to be getting the. I think I'm going to be getting. The replacements for all that stuff actually this week it's taken a while to, to replace everything but um but but yeah so it's okay and and all the stuff that was at the office was stuff that i had some kind of duplicate of in some form or fashion at, at my house so i have electric guitars here i have a bass here i have all the like things i need here still so it was just sort of it was um stuff that was there for space reasons that it wasn't in my house. You know, it, it, does that make sense? No, so, it totally does. So I, and I guess the reason I bring it up is because so yeah. now that I've gotten to yeah. uh, speak to you for an hour, I, I realize that it's not just Danny's filmmaking that paints you as just an amazing, genuinely nice person. You actually are. And <laughs> I have to assume that all of your coworkers are as well. And so I was like, man, that really, like, I, if I felt the hit of that, you know, I just, it, yeah, 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 I just yeah, felt yeah. bad. So I wanted to make sure that you guys were yeah. doing all, all good and stuff from that. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's like, it's a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. And I was pleased that again, you know, I was glad that, you know, they tried to take my computer and they didn't, um, because it was like, because my rat's nest of cables was like too messed up and they couldn't like untangle the power cord from my, like it was so like, it was clear they tried to you take just my said, computer. Don't so, ever come at me for cable management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cable, cable management is for chumps is yeah, what so, I just heard. So the computer like would have been much harder to replace and, and more expensive and blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and so at least I, I still have the computer. Um, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. Um, so cool. And they didn't end up taking it, you know, too much of, of value other than the instruments. I don't think so. Um, it's just like shiny stuff. That's like, I can sell that, you know, yeah, nothing that can't be replaced. Like, and besides yeah. it all happens in here, it seems anyway. Yeah. So, well, the, yeah, then the yeah, last yeah. thing, man, and then Andrew probably has like one question too, or maybe a few more. We'll keep them quick though. The, the pandemic mm -hmm. sort of has changed the way everyone works and operates as a company. And I know that in the documentary, at least you guys sort of were speaking a lot about like it's going well. And thankfully where you were at with Hades at that point in time, it was okay. It, yep. it wasn't ideal, but it was okay to be in that yep. situation where you work remotely. But, but now I would assume that a new project is on the horizon and that spontaneity of being in the office in your studio, right? There's something that's lost there that you don't quite get over a Zoom call where you can't just walk down the hall and go to your art director and be like, hey, what about this, that, and the other thing? So, like, you know, can, can you maybe pair that with the future of uh, Supergiant and, and what to expect? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. You know, we, we've been 
it's 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 certainly much too early for us to talk about whatever we're doing next just because we don't really we don't really have a, a crystal clear idea of that at the moment we've mm-hmm. been so busy with with continuing to support hades and and figure that stuff out um just because of the res- the response has warranted a much longer sort of tale yeah. of support and I was going to say I'm like I'm still like like Hades was just on sale like barely on sale on Steam the other day yeah, yeah. because it's just like hey check out this game yeah still I getting mean, blasted everywhere rightfully so yeah so 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 um I think that's the thing where we'll see how it goes um I I'm confident that we will be able to do it I think there will be some things that we have to find a replacement for somehow like the you know daily like hey you want to go get a coffee and i'll go with greg and we'll take a walk and we'll chat about this idea and just stuff random stuff and then we'll be like oh you know there's this idea i had but again it's like you can do that other ways it's not you know it's not the only way to do that it's just the way that we have done it you know so i think um i think it'll be it'll be one of those things where like you know we'll 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 find a way to to get through that cool hell yeah man looking forward to it and uh before i let andrew ask you the last question t- tell us about your band control group like i'm sure it's just like a, oh, yeah. a project of passion but i think people should hear about it yeah it's a lot of fun it's it's uh it's me and a couple friends of mine um and uh we we formed when i was living in brooklyn we were all living in brooklyn and now uh none of us are living in brooklyn actually we're all in three different places but uh it's just like a, uh yeah it's it's such a fun fun little thing we like it's a three piece and we all play all the instruments and kind of rotate around and, and everybody writes and everybody sings and, and, uh, you know, we, we, we would do these, we would get together and we'd, we'd play, play writing games where we'd be like, okay, we have to write a song in 15 minutes, go, <laughs> you know, and we'd have different rules for like, for, for how we would, would operate. Like, okay, you're in charge like you're in charge of somebody else's part. Like you're not in charge of your own part and you have to play whatever someone else tells you, you know, That's stuff like awesome. that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like really we'd, we'd always, we, you know, it's just like a lot of fun <clears throat> mixing it up. And, and one of the coolest things we did as a band was we, I, I saw online that Steve Albini, uh, like he was given a talk, you know, in Australia somewhere being interviewed. And I saw, he's like, yeah, you can just book my studio and like, I'll record your band. If you just go to the website of my studio and Steve Albini is this incredible legendary engineer who, who recorded in utero and Surferosa and all these like, you know, incredible albums that I really respect. And, uh, and you know, breeders and a bunch of other stuff. And I, I emailed my bandmates and was like, yo, we can, we can go, you guys want to record with Steve Albini? Like, should we just go do this? So we met, you know, we were all not living in the same place, but we all met in Chicago, uh, and, and we had two songs prepared that we were going to write over the course of a three day recording session or that we were going to record. Sorry. We'd already written them. And then we were, we planned to write three, write and record three more while we were there. Uh, and, it, and we did, I mean, it, and we, we had a mixed by the end. It was like three, it was like rock and roll sleepaway camp because they have dorms in the studio and we got to like sleep in the studio and like, you know, we'd work from 10 AM to 10 PM with Steve and then like we'd go out and get some dinner and then we'd come back and just like write lyrics until 2 AM and dial in guitar sounds for the next day. And like, it's just like, it's like one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Yeah. So, so much fun. Um, and yeah, I'd love to do it again, but, but yeah, we're, we're working on a new album, um, with some tracks that we recorded before I moved away and, you know, I'm just kind of slowly trying to put mixes together, you know, for, 
for these tracks we've had sitting around forever. So, yeah. Oh, and and we we donate um, all of the proceeds from the band to the ACLU. Oh, very cool. So awesome. Good. Yep. Nice man. Yeah, I'm a huge Nirvana yeah, fan. So right. that's uh, damn, dude. You have a lot of stuff in your history to geek out about. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was True. a that was a crazy one. That was really fun. Yeah. All right. Now before before I get to the last question, I have a question. When I say best video game soundtracks, what games come to mind for you? Yeah, you said me, Marble Madness. Yeah, I, Marble Mania. Whatever, Marble Madness. Whichever. Yeah, that's one of my Madness, favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I really love love the music from from Fallout Two specifically. I really also, even though it's just like a very um, it's a very simple soundtrack, but it's so effective. I really <laughs> love the Plants vs Zombies soundtrack, like the original one. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, I just really love the vibe of that. It's like the tone of that super fun. I mean, it knows what it's got to do, you know. Yeah, I also for like uh, the next game, uh, George fans' next game, um, Octagon, which came out a few years back. That's like a really ridiculous game, and the the music is kind of like pirate metal almost. Um, a lot of it, and it's got like a really. Why fun... did that make me think of Dropkick Murphys? Yeah, it's it it, it, it absolutely kind of has a Dropkick Murphys vibe, but like, but like more metal, you know? Right, right. Um, that one's really fun. Uh. Gosh, I mean, I really love uh, Abzu. Um, the music from Abzu is incredible. That awesome. one, that one yeah. was like a crazy experience. Abzu, yeah, just like very, very immersive. Kind of like, yeah. like the art version of Subnautica. Yeah, it's it's, it's incredible, and, and Austin's soundtrack for that is maybe my favorite of his. I like his work a lot, but that one mm-hmm. is like J- Journey is cool, but Abzu is hits different. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, that's that's how I feel too. Like Journey's Journey's beautiful, but but Abzu like that was more in line with stuff that I love. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, I thought just like all the, like, I'm a big harp fan. So that soundtrack is like, Absolutely. like 70% harp or whatever, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm into and then it. All the, all the pretty little fishes kind of help. A yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Well, so now we have one final question that we ask every guest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we're kind of going to put you on the spot, so don't get nervous. Sorry about that. It's kind of our thing. Um, <laughs> 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 Um, if you had to describe yourself as an artist, musician, you know, creator, whatever you want to call it, in mm-hmm. one word, what one word would you use to describe yourself? And you can elaborate afterwards. Oh, but... that's interesting. Oh, a single word to describe myself as an artist. Uh, curious. It's a good one. Probably. I like that. I can definitely see yeah. that. And why I, curious? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really interested in trying to find the edge of my comfort zone and just go, like, a few paces past whatever that is um, and just kind of keep doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in trying trying stuff and expanding what my wheelhouse it includes um, and just just playing with, you know, new toys and, and new tools and new mm-hmm. methods. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think Curious is probably a pretty pretty solid one. Yeah, I mean, talking to you for this past hour and change, it seems like you do value the, the how and the why of, of things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Music. Cool. Well, Darren, dude, thank you so much. Before we let you go, is there anything yeah. we missed along your journey that you want to let the people know about? I think that's about it. We we covered uh, the highlights. That's Perfect. for sure. Yeah. I mean, we talked about you being the reigning rec band world champion, so I think yeah. that's one more do you need. Pretty much the most important <laughs> yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, dude, this was an absolute honor and, and, and a blast to chat with you. Thank you again so much for carving yes, out some time and your day to come on our show and. Before we let you go, where can the people find you, follow you, keep up to date with with everything you do creatively? 
for sure. Yeah. I'm at Darren Korb on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, you can find me on the Facebook stuff as well. And, uh, you know, at Supergiant Games is a good one because if you want to know anything related to the games, there's that. And then, uh, yeah, those are the those are the main ones at Control Group. Uh, well, it's at CTRL Group Music, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't. But that one's not very very active. So you know, follow it if you if you want. But Control Group is the band uh, if you want to want to find and out. You're more, on Spotify and all that, that stuff, stuff too, right? On Spotify, Perfect. yeah, yep. On Spotify and Apple Music and all the whole shebang. The whole, whole love thing. it. Well, Darren, thank you again so much. We're gonna. Put you Thank to the you, lobby. Man. If if you got a busy day ahead of you, don't be bashful. Just just head on out. And yeah. if not, uh, we'll we'll chat for a few seconds afterwards. Yeah. But either way, we yeah. really want you to I'm know sure, we appreciate it. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll hit you up when the next game comes out to talk about it. Awesome, sounds Thanks, good. Man. Thanks, man. Andrew, dude, Thanks. we are just wow. getting so lucky lately with these amazingly gracious and. <sighs> I gotta relax, man. That was that was just a lot. talented <laughs> guests, right? I mean, come on, like it's yeah. great. I mean, I know we do this show for for them but like i don't know it kind of felt like we don't it's it's a selfish yeah, show i guess so because that, that was just such it's, a blast man you know um we need to we're just lucky that that everyone benefits from the show i guess we need to up our game when getting creative for our new project is all that i really got from this uh yeah we're in a very absolutely. interesting position we, right now if, where <laughs> if when people ask us to describe what we sound like, we don't use at least four separate adjectives that don't have anything to do with each other, then I don't think we've done it. That that's tr- that that's that's for certain. But even just like, you know, I love what he said, man. I go to the edge of what I know and then I push a little further, essentially. For sure. That's. I mean, that's the only way yeah. you grow. No, that's that's powerful, man. And I really enjoyed this episode, guys. We hope that you did as much as we did. Uh, it was an absolute blast chatting with Darren. And we have so many more great episodes for you as well. We've been doing a lot on this show. And, and if you haven't been with us, if you're just tuning in today, well, hey, thank you so much for being here. That really does truly mean a lot. We uh, We don't say it enough at the Welcome. end of these things because we're usually just so shocked about what we just, you know did for the past hour especially with we're, the guests we're still getting. on that high you but know? We, we do appreciate it nonetheless um the show's been growing and, and that's all because of Absolutely. people like you so thank you so much for giving us your time and and andrew uh where can they uh you know we invest some it. of their time into us if they would be so gracious as to uh you know impart that on us Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, again, like Chris said, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. You're, I know that we just said that we do this show for us, but really, that was, you know, it's a, we do bits. Um, it's really for you guys. You know, we like to just, like Darren said, you know, you just, you make stuff. You just want to make stuff. Um, for you. And uh, if you for you and if you want to find our other episodes that we've done we have in my opinion a lot of pretty great episodes uh you know besides this one they're all on all the digital streaming platforms spotify apple podcast radio public uh stitcher is breaker a real one i know we say a lot of fake yeah ones, breaker's breaker. a real one spreaker is a real breaker's one, a real one. <laughs> spreaker is not a real one um wait spreaker is also a yeah, real breaker's one? real I'm almost sure it's wow. real. And Honestly, I can't. I can't keep track <laughs> at this point. There's too many. We're on all the different yeah. little intricate podcasting. We're on them. You know, We're on them. We're there. Uh, Mom and pop talking with Andrew and services. Chris. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, talking with Andrew and Chris, you'll find it there. Um, please subscribe to the YouTube so you can see our faces, our guest faces. We do little visual bits. You know, we do things like this with our hands. You can't see. You can't see that on Spotify. So. True. Uh, follow us. I'm sorry. Subscribe. I don't even know what service I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> subscribe. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. 
um, join in on the conversation. Yeah, and join in on the conversation. Speaking of which, follow our Instagram accounts and the shows. It's like this right here, talking. I don't remember how to move my finger. Talking podcast. Yeah. No G. On Instagram, T-A-L-K-I-N. Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else that matters, like Andrew just said. And I, I did say at the beginning of this, I'm yes. working on cutting him off. I, I didn't say I was better at it yet. So, you know, I'm That's still true. Improving. And while you're doing all that for our show, be sure to look at Talking TV in all of those exact same places. Spilled the exact same way. Just add TV. After uh, you, you really got to stop at this point because I'm telling you I've had conversation after conversation with Dom, my co-host over there, <laughs> and he will not reference our show and it's like dude i thought we were all friends going into this you know same network same family apparently not so andrew you're too nice listen you know i think it's because of the stream yard thing you know it's like oh his yeah thing. true and you kind of are a little he's got a big like head. a bad uh you know renter sometimes but it's okay because we get it done <laughs> uh yeah guys i'm not the best that's tenant. at talking t-a-l-k-i-n for both of my shows at talking podcast for this show and at talking tv for my other show you can find me and andrew both at our personals right. aptly listed below our names but if you're on audio it's at christian Ivanko and at not underscore a-w-g-y-o-m-a-i Guys, we love doing the show. We love doing the show for you. We have a lot on the horizon. Uh, the that podcast has always been the first step for us. Uh, music really is our number one passion and our love, and we will be getting back to it. But your reception, the way you guys have been sort of treating the show lately has made the podcast, honestly, more than I ever thought it could be as far as, you know, creative juices and energies and, and what I contribute to it. So, yeah, from a musician who never True. thought he'd be a podcaster to having a podcast that people love, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> really does mean a lot. Yes. Really appreciate it. Andrew, uh, any last sentiment for the people here today? Hmm. <laughs> Take your time. Um, I don't really have anything clever, but, you know, go out of your comfort zone every now and then. You might, you might learn something. And stay sweet. Stay sweet. <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. Yet another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. And we just want to take a moment here to thank you guys so much for all the support you've shown this show. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but this show is 100% creator-owned and creator-run, and quite literally, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, the fact that you guys keep coming back week in and week out is not only humbling, but it's inspiring, and, and it's a reason why we will continue to deliver upon our promise to bring you content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so all we ask for you guys to do in support of this show, for free, mind you, is please head over to youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Please click that subscribe button for whatever video you choose to listen to. Click that thumbs up. It would really help out us grow the channel. And most importantly, turn on that bell to get notified every time we post content. Again, that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on YouTube at 2 p.m. And of course, on audio. You guys can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. That is Talking with Andrew and Chris. And all we ask you to do on those platforms is please click the follow button, the subscribe button, leave a review, preferably five stars, Whatever the platform allows you to do, if you could throw us a little support, that would really mean the world and help us keep growing this show. Once again, guys, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the support. Stay sweet, and we'll see you in the next episode.